morning, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Lakeside Drive. You are here for Campy's Corner on this fine Sunday morning before the Japanese Grand Prix. I'm joined by my man and yours, Mr. Tommy T. How are you, mate? Good, mate. How are you? Very good. Yeah, very good. I'll tell you what, Tommy, I struggled getting out of bed this morning with my... <laughs> 7.30 alarm went off and went, jeez, the last thing I want to be doing is doing a podcast, but uh, here we are. I take offence to that. I take offence, especially seeing as we didn't have to wait up until 11pm to watch qualifying this time. We actually got to watch it in the afternoon. Oh, I haven't seen any live, any of the live stuff this weekend, unfortunately, so. You're just playing It's just up. the way it goes. Oh, it's just the way it goes when it's in your time zone. You've got other things on. And- yeah. <laughs> That's it. Anyway, well, we've had some big, big news happen throughout this Japanese Grand Prix weekend. Um, before we go there, actually, we got we got Bathurst on today, Tommy. Exactly. We're burying the lead here. Bath- it's Bathurst weekend <laughs> yeah. that happens to have the Japanese Grand Prix, let's be honest. Yeah. Um, for the first time in its 44 years, though, we've ha- not had a top 10 shootout, which is interesting. The torrential rain that Bathurst saw yesterday was pretty unbelievable. Uh, it was not ready for the downpour and the standing water was just crazy. Um, yeah. So it was actually quite a bad crash with the uh, the 86s, that series, um, which led to them starting to, to cancel that shootout. So they've just gone back to uh, the best times through qualifying and all those um, things, uh, but no top 10 shootout. So Cam Waters is on pole. Uh, which is good. The young man is looking very quick. Uh, and I think Gizzy was in fourth because I know that you'll care about that as a as a New Zealander. <laughs> no, Gizzy doesn't care where he starts. He's just too good over race distance, especially around the mountain. <laughs> uh, that is true. Who's his partner this year? Is he partner with Wincup? I think so, yeah. A, I must admit, we don't I know enough, but we will have. be watching today, won't we, Campy? Oh, absolutely, but I'll be shutting it off at 5 o'clock to watch the uh, the Japanese Grand Prix, so I'll miss all the good parts, but I'm it's sure true. we'll catch up at some stage. Sure Definitely. We'll some Lots of news, Tommy. Yep. My whipping boy. My whipping boy. Whip, whip, whipping boy. Mr. Pierre Gasly, got some news about that, man? We do. We do. Signed for Alpine. Very exciting. It, it seems like this was uh, the worst-kept secret, as everyone kept saying. But uh, <laughs> I did see that there was a, a football journalist over in the uh, in Europe who broke the story before any of the F1 reporters, which is always fun. So the people who live and breathe it didn't manage to get the scoop. He released it, I think it was like five hours early before AlphaTauri uh, and Alpine managed to release this information. So... Good on him. We love that. Um, but, yeah, I think it's interesting. What are your first thoughts on Gasly going to the French team with uh, Ocon as his partner? Yeah, well, him and Ocon hate each other. So, um, <laughs> look, they've had a ma- – they used to be mates as kids and they had a massive Yeah, they keep throwing something. that photo out in their face, don't they? Yeah, well, Ocon made a nice thing on uh, social media that I saw. Um, and I saw that on YouTube, so I'm not sure if it's a real social media thing, but um, – it looked like he made the effort. But I could not. I hope there's fireworks and I hope they hate each other and I hope they crash into each other all the time because uh, I'm not Gasly's biggest fan 
Ocon to me is a dud, although he's performing well this year. He got a great result last night. Um, yeah, he did. And he's matched he's matched it with Alonso. I'll just go back to twenty nineteen and that year that he had was just absolutely disgusting. Yeah. Um, anyway, but that is that is F one, isn't it? And uh I think it's a good yeah. move for Gasly to get out of it. Um I think Alpine made a dumb decision. He's been Red Bull Junior and in that program since 2013. So it's a it's a long time for his career to yeah. be tied up within Red Bull and all of their culture, good or bad, I guess, especially from his point of view. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how he goes not being a part of that because he was a child when he started in in motor racing. He's now an adult and he, he's going to have to learn things aren't always the same, which a lot of drivers have already done because they've moved through different junior programs, different race teams, but he's been part of this same one forever. He doesn't know any different. So I think that's going to be a big shakeup. The other thing is I don't know if Ocon's been told that he's the number two. So there's going to be a bit of play, play here to see who is the superior driver, who is going to get that. And, I, and like you're saying, we're hoping for fireworks because that makes interesting – Interesting racing, interesting off off the track stuff, doesn't it? Yeah, look, I, there will be fireworks because that's the sort of guy Gasly is, um, you know. But he's not going to be a number two driver, and that's the reason he got out of Red Bull so he could make a change and try and get to a new organisation. Alpine was the best seat on the grid for him to get there, and he finally got there when he was out of, out of uh, out of contract. That opened up the door for Nick DeVries at AlphaTauri. So how do you feel about that? Now, we talked about like Yuki Sonoda getting signed for next year. And yep. I think the reason why Red Bull signed Yuki Sonoda again is because they realised they weren't going to have Gasly next year and they didn't want two new drivers stepping into that seat next year. I don't think that's fair enough, to be honest. The year before, yeah, I think that's that's pretty spot on as well. It it does help that Honda is back on as a, a named sponsor and part of the sport again. But who knows? They could be out sure. next week, couldn't they? Can't be. <laughs> classic, classic Honda. But no, I think I think Nick DeVry was very impressive, and we spoke about this. Fro and I spoke about this. You and I spoke about this. He impressed a lot of teams, didn't he? With that that one race, uh, to the point of. We had people competing for him because I, I I know Williams wanted him uh, and they're now left with a seat open. But I think it's really good to see he's taken the alternative path out of the junior formulas and he's he's a champion, he's moved on, but he didn't get his seat straight away because it was in that era of we had like four rookies all start at the same time, didn't we, just about. Um, so there was no seat available. So he went. he's won a Formula E championship. He's raced in a lot of other categories. He's been a reserve driver and sim driver for a bunch of other teams. He's gained experience. He's, it's, it reminds me of when in, especially in Victoria, you go to join the police force, something they're like straight out of school. You're like, no, 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 go get some life experience, son. Come back when you're ready. And that's what they've yeah. done to him, haven't they? They've gone, go off, experience the world, get some, get some experience and, uh, Come back when you're when you've grown up a little, and we'll we'll give you a drive. Yeah, I think it's good when guys get their chance. It's a good news story, right? He didn't get it when he probably wanted to, but hard work, and you know, you can obviously drive. And he's made the most of the opportunities that he got this year. I mean, how often does a driver actually sit out a race? I mean, we've seen it a couple of times in the last couple of years because of COVID and having to sit out, but. It's yeah. really rare that a Formula One driver misses a race. So it's really I mean, rare when you get 
And that opportunity and that one, you know, I mean, he tested for the Aston Martin, didn't he? And then was in the Williams for yeah, the race. Is that right? <laughs> yeah. In yep. the same weekend. So, and then he showed composure and he got a great result. Um, so, hey, that is awesome for him and hopefully it works out. I still think. How do you think he's going to go moving to a, a Red Bull power unit, moving to a different culture? Uh, it, it's. It's going to be hopefully awesome because they want him. Usually, if Red Bull wants you, it, the culture's okay. If Red Bull doesn't want you, it can be a bit, bit different, right? I think it'll be fine. That's going to be interesting it'll to see how fun. he plays out with <laughs> Yuki Tsunoda, who is not a rookie, but he's also very young. Nick DeVry is older than him, but less experienced. Yeah, he'll be fine. I'm not fussed at that at all. He'll be totally one thousand percent fine. Do you think there's a, a number one driver emerging there? Do you think that'll be Yuki or do you think that'll be Nick? Well, Yuki will take on the responsibility of a number one driver. So he will be testing things in FP1, not so much for his race day setup. He will be testing things that the team wants tested. He'll be doing aero tests and that sort of thing. Um, he'll take that lead role for the team in a development in a development role just because not because he probably deserves to be that number one role, just because he's been there for two years and he knows how the system works and knows how it's operated. So they will give they will give DeVries the best chance for the first seven or eight races to just rock up, mm-hmm. concentrate on car setup, concentrate on understanding the team, how it works on a weekend and get that off-track side of the sport right until he's comfortable and then after that they'll start giving him some um, some responsibility and how, how they drive the team. For Yuki, it'll be an adjustment because he's probably had it pretty good yeah. for the last – particularly this year anyway where Gasly's probably taken the grunt uh, the, the and the, the most of that load and Yuki's just had time just to set up the car just for perfectly himself and only concentrate on that. Um, so it may – I think Yuki will be fine, though. He's shown good performances and he's got a good understanding of that car, how it works, how he wants it to feel, how he wants it to drive, its strengths and weaknesses, et cetera, et cetera. So, no, I think you'll be fine. I, I, I think I think DeVries will probably turn into a really competent driver, but, um, yeah, I mean, the pressure's on at all stages of your career. I mean, you've only got to look at our boy that – doesn't matter what yeah. you've done for years and years and years, get in a shit car and not perform, then it's, you know, for Yuki, that pressure will be on him straight back again just when he's starting to feel probably a bit comfortable. You know, he's got a new teammate and he's got to reignite the fire that got him into the sport and get the results that he's been craving or that he that he knows he should get as well, and that's pressure for guys. Some, some guys react to it well, some guys don't, so but this yeah. is the first time in his career which he feels a bit of that. So, um, Yeah, it'll be interesting. I think we'll probably have to wait until the mid-season of next year, won't we, to evaluate where they're sitting in the pecking order within that yep. first AlphaTauri team and then even maybe the big team. Because it'd be, it'd be naive of us to think that this isn't Red Bull looking for future as well. Maybe when Checo starts, because Checo is older than we we think, um, he's not going to be around forever. He's still in a very good form, but Red Bull need to rebuild that junior team because right now it is empty, and that's why they've had to go else, elsewhere. Yeah, yep. Their junior stocks, their junior categories aren't as aren't as good as they they probably should have been um, with some of the talent that's been coming through the last three or four years. I'm not sure I call it talent, but you know. <laughs> 
capable drivers with lots of money behind them. Yes. They, they probably could have been ahead of the bell curve a bit. But uh, the, the only thing that that team's not lacking is money. So um, It's true. Yeah. They'll be fine. Look, they'll, they'll be fine. They'll be fine. They'll be fine. Yeah. They've got a competent driver in Yuki doing the right thing, which they had to give. They had to give him a contract for next year because of yep. to keep the consistency in the team. They've got a well-touted junior coming through who's doing all the right things. They've got an established world champion in their top team and a an established, competent, very good race-winning driver in Checo Perez, yep. you know, who's a great B-man for them. So the organisation's looking pretty pretty, pretty swell at the Yeah, moment. I think they're pretty Other happy, than, aren't they, for their next couple of years? Yeah. Other than if someone – broke a leg and couldn't drive for nine months, I mean, who would they replace them with in that organisation? So, you know, it's, mm. it's yeah, but that's really random. Those things are freak. Yeah. Yeah, really random. All right, let's talk about it. DR confirmed last night that he probably won't be on the grid for 2023. Yeah. How do you feel about it? Initial reactions. The only two seats left are Haas and Williams and – if you're Daniel, you are you looking there. at either of those? That they are they interesting in any way or enticing? And I don't think they are. I think Al- Albon and Daniel would be a very fun driver pairing. At Williams, however, I don't think so. Uh, I would love to see him drive with Magnussen at Haas. I don't think so. I think, unfortunately, it's the teams. They don't have the competitive edge that he's looking for to be back in a podium potential car. And that's, that's what he's looking for. Um, it looks like we're going to have the sabbatical. He's going to take a year off. Uh, we're not going to have Daniel in, in Formula 1, which seems weird. Uh, I, I'm not excited for that, obviously, but I'm excited for him to maybe reset and and put some energy back into coming back the year after. I think it's probably better to have the clarity of the year and be working conversations and talking with management and and kind of trying to backdoor some of these conversations into a drive in the future than be occupied with racing every single frigging week because we've got that many races next year. It's unbelievable. He's not going to have any time to do all these negotiations and whatever if he was stuck in a in one of these other seats or in a reserve driver role. So I, I don't know. Um, I'm not sure how I feel about it, to be honest, to answer your question, Campy. Yeah, I was – I wouldn't say I was gutted. I'm gutted for him because he needs to be in the sport. We know he's better than that. There is, as I said, there is drivers on this grid that, compared to Daniel, shouldn't be there. And yep. But hey, it's it's just where we're at at the moment. We've got to put up with it. Um, the world is a strange place. We got some dickheads running around with nukes up north. We got a dickhead that can't even get his own name right running the US. Danny Rick's not in F1 and oh, it's just a strange time of the world, isn't it? <laughs> you know? The parallels. <laughs> the parallels. I know uh, and the All Blacks won a game. That's weird. I don't know. It's all just melting. That's standard. <laughs> no, look, I, I don't think he's uh he ain't gonna look, he ain't gonna struggle on the monetary front. I uh I bought one of his mini helmets off his merch store last time. Oh, did you? And I didn't didn't realise it was USD. So I paid yeah. like three hundred and ten bucks now when I was As like, someone you who's bought a little just- bit of Someone who's bought some Daniel oh. stuff in the past, it is a sting when you cop the uh, US shipping to Australia. You're like, hang on a second. But that is, as we know, where where Daniel is spending a lot of time and in investing in growing his brand and growing F1. So I wonder if he'll be um, doing a lot of that 
in his year off. I'm a, I'm a big fan, but Danny, you're taking the piss on that. 105 <laughs> bucks for a hoodie or something. And you are chewing on it, son. Chewing on it. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> oh, anyway. Yeah, it is Excellent. a shame. But I, it is, as I it? said, I, I, I don't feel like it's the end for him. No. And that might just be wishful thinking, but who knows? That's just not I mean, we're still, we're still talking about Hulkenberg, man. Like, he's still a contender for the Haas seat, which is yeah. bizarre to me that someone who has been removed from the sport a couple of times now has, has shown when he's come back through COVID and those things that he still is very capable. But I would put Daniel yeah. well above where Hulkenberg is now, Hulkenberg is now. Not not to discredit Hulkenberg in any way, but Daniel's a race winner. Daniel's been on the podium many, many times. He's he's just a different ilk of of driver compared to Hulkenberg, who is a a very professional driver. But you would surely think that Daniel would be the number one driver not in a seat if he doesn't drive next year. He would be the number one option. To be pulled in for the super sub for whatever reason, he would be the one that everyone is highlighting. Yeah, but I hope that like a team like Alpine needs a, someone for the weekend. He just looks at him and says, "No, I'm not driving that piece of shit." <laughs> <You know>? <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't need the drive uh, that bad. <laughs> uh, yeah, like I want to be an F1, but I'm not desperate, you know. So, yep. <laughs> um, and uh, look. I touched on it. Jacques Villeneuve had a test with Alpine in, you know, on Monday's podcast, which I did by my on my own, Tommy. What did you think of that? It was horrible, wasn't it? This, mate, um, you did a good job. I, I hate to put you in that situation. I was out in Adelaide with Dad enjoying my birthday and, uh, yeah, you were left all by your lonesome. Sorry, mate. You did very well. I did touch. The people loved it, I did t- Oh, really? I'm not sure about that. Yeah. But I did touch on Jacques Villeneuve had a test with Alpine couple of weeks yep. ago. And the reason they did that is because when when Jacques won his his world championship, not a legitimate one, just the one they hand out every year and just so happens that he <laughs> won it. Uh, <laughs> that Williams had a Renault Renault engine in it. So Renault decided to do the right thing. Mine Jacques means hanging around the grid trying to be relevant lately. So they gave him a <laughs> test in one of the old cars. Now if they are building that bridge with Jacques Villeneuve, I think that was the reason they didn't seriously consider considered Danny Rick because behind closed right. doors. We've seen what he said about Danny Rick publicly. Imagine what he's saying to that team. With the For relationships sure. he's got there, clearly, you know, imagine yeah. what he would have been saying behind closed doors about that. So I think he influenced it. So I, I hope I hope Sharks makes a uh, appearance at the Melbourne Grand Prix next next year. And we can you can him punch him. <laughs> I'll just <laughs> knock his teeth out. Like. <laughs> Welcome to Australia, bitch. <laughs> oh, I can't, stand, can't stand the guy. But uh, yeah, look, peanut, I'm, I'm in that. I'm in. I'm still in that devastated. Not sure what to say. Ready to take it out on Sharksville Nerf if necessary. Uh, yeah, just a bit of frustration there, if I'm honest. So. Yeah. It'd be well, nice we've got Piastri in the sport next year, so we've got yeah. something to look forward. But is Piastri his personality? Is he Danny Rick? The reason I like, and when I say I like Danny Rick and I'm a fan, it's not like I'm dying to meet him and I want to hang out with him and be in his world. It's like 
he's the same age as us. He grew up on all the same music that we grew up on. Yeah. You know, in the interviews he talks about all the same things that we did as kids. So there's that yeah. there's that level of uh, as a kid growing up in Australia, culturally it's exactly the same. So there's a connection there. Other yeah. than that, I mean He's a great character in the sport, and he can bloody drive quick in a sport yep. that we love. So, yeah, <sighs> yeah, he, he, he feels like right. he represents us, doesn't he? That's that's the thing that yeah, we all totally. look at is totally. he is how we want to be portrayed as Australians to the the wider world. He he acts like we would hope we would act if we were given the chance to drive an F one. We would be fun. We would enjoy where we are. We would be the nice guy and have and be the one always with the funny jokes and. Just not taking it too seriously, but when the when the checkered flag is dropping, he he's the one that's really putting in the effort, and we would hope we'd be the same. He's just I don't know who has a bad word to say other than Jarks, who's a dickhead, but yeah. Daniel is exactly what you want from a sports person. He is competitive, but he's also really engaging and fun and a personality, which is what we want from our sports people. We want to have those interactions yeah. that aren't just a robotic person. We want to have this emotional character that we can root for and care about. And that's what we're going to miss. I think there's a lot of really good drivers, but I don't think there's anyone that's been as charismatic and interesting as Daniel is in F1. And I think the sport is going to miss that next year. Yeah. And if like he burst on the scene when he got that, when he got that first drive in HRT, it was a great you know, he finished his race and it was good. He got into that uh, the junior Red Bull team and he, and he beat John Eric Fern to the top seat. Got in that top seat in 2014 and established himself from day one. Melbourne qualified mm-hmm. on the podium in qualifying. I think he got a second there and he beat Seb three times that year in a car that wasn't that good. Um, yeah. I mean, he set the world alight and everyone was saying he's a future world champion and, you know... It's a shame that someone like Max Verstappen came in and, you know, Daniel is many things, but he's probably not that once-in-a-generation driver that we're all talking about. So um, it's a real shame, but he'll be back. And, look, if the F1 worlds and stars collide, then he'll be back and we'll be enjoying him in the sport and he'll get some more race wins, I mean, and that's what we need to do. So that's what he needs to do, and I think he'll be right. Let's get into Japan, Tommy. Boy, we're yep. here. How good is this track, mate? How good oh, is this track? Mate, well, I think we can sum it up here. I've got. I've written down that Seb, after finishing his qualifying lap, he said, this track is so much better than the rest. Thank you, Japan. <laughs> he was so stoked to be driving this track, and it was good to see him qualifying well. And we can probably start there. Is he kept pulling at the pace, didn't he? It was the Seb of old, and I wonder if it's uh, one of those tracks that a lot of the the rookies haven't been to, a lot of the young drivers haven't been to enough through COVID, through whatever, but it was the veterans standing up, wasn't it? Yeah, if you look at the grid right down from the top, the guys that haven't been here before really struggled. Um, Ocon's raced here before, hasn't he? So he he actually did a really well, really good job last night too. Jesus was tight. He did. I think. I think there was three oh. tenths between. I think there was three tenths between like second or third place and Danny Rick and P11. So, um, yeah, yeah. This track is unbelievable. That first sector, you know, break late. I can't remember the name of that corner, but then that little S, the you know the chicane section yeah. right up, where you're yeah. constantly just 
getting backing off the pace in those sections, and then you go into the Degners, and then uh, it is a cracking race drop, a race track. It is it's a man's man yeah. racing track. Um, <laughs> If you can even say that these days, not that I care if you're offended by that anyway, but it's your issue, not mine. Um, <laughs> one thirty R, oh jeez, oh, and in the wet, is there watching a some, corner? watching some, uh, watching, watching on Friday in the wet is just poetry in motion, and that's why I love this yep. sport. Um, I, know, I know guys were making mistakes too. I noticed that, like. Um, Yuki Sonoda went off, and so did Pierre Gasly. They were whinging about their brakes last night as well. But you know, yeah. just going into those Degners, you know, and on a racing, on like F1 racing, or when I used to play video games, those corners were so hard to nail, especially on Gran Turismo and mm-hmm. things like that. So hard to nail. I can only imagine what it's like in real life, and uh, you just see how yeah. committed these guys are going into those corners in the wet. You know, can't hardly see it. Breaks lock up, and it's great to watch. They are absolute. This track is is a races races track, and I'm, I'm looking forward to a cracking Grand Prix tonight. Danny Rick might make oh. a tire strategy call. Might project him up the yeah. grid a bit. Could sneak a podium, yeah. which would be good for, considering the news we've had this yeah. weekend. So uh, sure. Verstappen on pole. Let's quickly rip through the grid. We've got Verstappen followed by Leclerc, Sainz, Perez, Ocon, Hamilton. Alonso, George Russell, Vettel, and Norris in 10th. Then in 11th, Daniel, Bottas, Sonoda, Joe, Schumacher, Albon, Gasly, Magnussen, Stroll, Latifi. Um, I think the big glaring thing I'm looking at there is Stroll versus his teammate in in Vettel. That is a big gap, isn't it? Stroll is fucking shithouse and does not deserve to be in F1. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Latifi is shit house and does not deserve to be in F one. Latifi has dropped, doesn't he? Uh, Stroll should not be making these mistakes. However many years into his career, oh, he is shit and he does not deserve to be. I've said all I need to say about Stroll, and I won't go there. But. <laughs> it, it is frustrating when you can see the potential that car has, and you'd argue yeah. that Stroll has one out of what did we decide it was in the end? Maybe one out of eight where he qualifies well, but the races are one in twenty. He has a good race, doesn't he? Otherwise, it's oh, just opportunistic don't, and. Uh, uh, <laughs> is is this a new whipping boy? I don't want to talk about it. He's just he's revved you. <laughs> it's what pisses me off about this sport. If yeah. I was a trillionaire, I would pay him to not race in F1, you know. Yeah. I'd, build, I'd build, build a team just for Danny Rick, make a comeback. You just go buy your son a Koenigsegg and go, go fluff around in Monaco, be a playboy, but leave the competitive sport alone, you dickhead. We don't need you here just taking up space. Anyway. Um, it was interesting to see the uh, the Red Bulls were on another level, I thought. Uh, unfortunately, Perez couldn't get it hooked up, but it looked like they just had the cheat code set almost, I reckon. They were unbelievably quick. Even the fact that they weren't using all of the curb or all of the runoff, they were just keeping it in the middle of the track basically and running around and still faster than everyone else, especially through the first first two parts of qualifying. Uh, in the In the third part, it definitely fired up, but... Those Red Bulls look unbelievable around here. It's really good to see. I think this is the best Red Bull car that we've ever seen in the sense that it doesn't – like 
the cars of yesteryear compared to other cars, they had some deficiencies in that. Like last year, they they weren't this particular tail end of the year. They weren't great around, you know. A Mercedes were a better car. I'm trying to think of the deficiencies and can't come up with anything at the moment. But mm. this year, they are clearly. The best chassis, the best motor. They've got the power. They've got the straight line speed. They've got and they can put more downforce onto those cars when they need to, and they can also take yep. it off to be good at a place like Monza or Spa. Um, yep. This place where it has it all, it's got high speed sections and those other, uh, you know, the the uh, slow, the slow, um, the slower speed corners with the high downforce through the mm. S's and stuff. This car is fastest. Everywhere, and I think it's probably the best yeah. car they've ever put on track. No wonder they're getting the results they're getting. We talked about uh, they've dealt, they've talked about this week, and it's been big news about Perez. You know, getting last week's result for him to come out and be half a second or four and a half tenths off Max Verstappen to me is just that is mind boggling. It says to me that last week the reason he got the result he got is because Max Verstappen was making childish mistakes and they got it wrong. He was, wasn't he? Places last weekend. I don't think he's – it's good for his confidence, but, look, as I yeah. said, if Bissappen had been on pole that race, got out in front, he would have won it by 35, 40 seconds because he's just that – Yeah, for sure. So I think we're sugarcoating Perez a bit and uh, he's perfect for what Red Bull need at the moment. Uh, moving forward, yep. I think – if there is a seat there and we want Danny Rick to go there, we'll be putting a hell of a lot of pressure on Perez next year and the results that he's getting in order for our boy to get there. But I just, you know, to come in after last weekend and put confidence out, get destroyed like that, it's a bit of a shame. But Yeah. He has to be sure. It is, it is, isn't it? Um, what did you think of Daniel's pace? I thought Daniel looked very quick through qualifying. Really- I think, unfortunately, he didn't get to put in that last lap in Q2 because I, I thought he was much faster than Lando and would have definitely done more in the Q3 and would have done better than 10th, in my opinion, uh, if he no, had got not, the chance to get through. I'm not sure what happened on that last lap. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if the team got on the radio and said, you're safe. Um, <laughs> Imagine. Well, they're lucky but, they did because otherwise, yeah, Lando wouldn't have made it through if Daniel improved and that would have been diabolical, right? I mean, well, Lando shit the bed in Q3 anyway. So who would you rather be? He did be, nothing though? anyway. Who would you rather be, Norris or Danny Rick? I mean, one has a drive. It's pretty hard. It <laughs> depends on what you want. Oh, with tyre no, choices. But, uh, tire choices. Yeah, yeah. It's interesting. I thought, but it's. It's positive looking at tomorrow, uh, today now, <laughs> with yeah. Daniel having the pace that he did. He loves this track. Daniel loves tracks that are racetracks, not these, I don't know, perfectly built, humetically sealed, tiny little car parks and things built throughout Europe and wherever. He likes these dinosaurs that are these mammoth tracks that have been here forever that the greats have raced on the Ayrton Senna and Hakkinen have had epic races at. This is where Daniel thrives at the historic venues, not these new upstart, I don't know, circuits that are boring as hell where all these young drivers do well because they're part of the European circuit and where they do the junior formulas. And it's just really apparent to me when we go to these historic tracks that have been here as part of F1 and F1 alone that you see the real – 
I don't know, veterans and greats of our sport stand up and do great things like Vettel, like Alonso's qualifying. That's that's when we see the true skill of a driver uh, with these unorthodox, like you don't see corners like this anywhere else, do you? Oh, uh, whoever designs those sort of corners, that is just – and they've grown to be, as the car's gotten faster and the, downf- the downfall speed more, going flat through these corners is not what it used to be like. It's not as exciting as what it used to be when they had to just lift yeah. off or they were right on the edge of the limit on whether they had enough. I mean, it's not what it used to be, but to see it in the rain that they were doing on Friday, you know, oh. as we said before, it's, it's – yeah. No wonder these drivers have never been here before and the younger ones of younger generations were struggling last night because, uh, you know, you've got to be a, you got to be have your big boy pants on to, to do what they do. Uh, and, yep. yeah, look, great qualifying session, great race, great great fans too. Just, I saw a yeah. guy dressed up in the Ferrari gear and said, oh, I'll <laughs> be your job. new um, yeah, I'll be your new <laughs> strategy assistant. Strategist. Strategist, those are very good. Uh, Kraken fans, Kraken place. Well, just quickly, we'll touch on Max and Lando had that incident and all clear, Max was given a reprimand. I think it was just a bit of unfortunate, right? From what Max was saying, everyone had been slow through that section on a a cool-down lap or a warm-up lap throughout the whole weekend um, and in that position. Unfortunately, for whatever reason, he wasn't told Lando was coming and Lando did – the correct thing and made evasive action. Unfortunately, Max made a, a correction the same way. It was a bit touch and go, but luckily nothing happened. Um, yeah, I, what, are you, what are your thoughts? Did you think it was something worth nothing a penalty? Land, no, not for a world champion, not when he's going for the championship. Well, yeah. Uh, it's a bit like in basketball, Tommy, where like there's some rules that they call, but if LeBron does it or MJ does it, they're not calling those, you know. They're just not doing it, you know. I think it's a bit. They do. The same they do that a lot for MJ. He did gift him a lot of calls. You're right. That's probably the only reason he, he got all those championships was the refs fixed it. Uh, and I think you're spot on there. And I think Mark would agree. LeBron, however, has done it by the sweat of his brow and just on his back, just being an absolute champion and earned every one of those fouls. Uh, and they're well on deserved. His, I think that is a great point, well made by you. On his moving on, on his back, on his back because he <laughs> flopped. Just falls over because he gets hit by a bloody feather, pussy. Um, <laughs> just every um, opportunity. Um, no, I think. What are we I looking think, for? I think Max. I think Max has a bit of the same of that too. Like he's drives yeah. champion. He's experienced, and they're two experienced guys. They're not like if it was a younger driver, they might throw the book at him and make an example and say he can't do this. But these things yeah. happen in motorsport and, and particularly in F1. So they're a bit kinder to Max and, and Lando on that one. So I think got away with it. Um, what are we looking for in the race? Danny Rick, Lightning Star, Max. P5. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I hope so. I think Daniel has a big opportunity here to get high up in the points. Hopefully podium. That would be epic to get a podium here, wouldn't it? That would be a beautiful kind of start to the end of this season if he could he could pull off a podium here. I think he's got the opportunity. It'll depend on if it's a little bit wet, if it's a little bit greasy. We're not sure. The the opinion's out on the weather. It could be wet. It could not. It could be coming late. Everyone's out on it. And unfortunately, we've seen Suzuka cop some weather in the past, haven't we? This is one of those tracks that is just either beautiful sunshine or it is – 
basically a hurricane coming through there. So that could be a big impact. But I think, yeah, I'm looking for Daniel to do great things. The other thing is probably is Max just going to have a good start and stay in the lead for this entire race? Yeah, probably. Of course, right. I'd hope he drops a couple yeah. of positions and then just absolutely destroys Ferrari on track because that's what he's done all year and it's been fun to watch thus far, so I'm still it not has. over it. Um, yeah. But he'll be looking to make up from a poor performance. Yeah. Yeah. Do you think we're going to end the championship this week? Uh, probably not, but Max will probably win tonight and, I mean, he needs what needs Leclerc to well, He needs winning fastest lap, I think. That's it. So it's in his hands. He could do it. It's a foregone. And if Leclerc comes worse than second, he wins. Yeah. Very interesting. But it doesn't matter. It's sewn up anyway. Max could not race in the next couple and still win it. That's how how sewn up this thing is. Um, I'm looking for Alonso and Vettel to do really good things. I think they're the two that I'm going to be watching. We often see them battling on track, which is something that we enjoy, seeing some – some veterans throw some really excellent moves around, uh, and I think that's going to be exciting to watch them, especially with Seb's last Japan. I think that's going to be a really good send off if he can have a good result. Yeah, I'm looking at I'm looking at Alonso for a podium this tonight. I just think the pace in that car, that Alpine, geez, they got it together on tracks. They really yeah. got it. on pace beat Mercedes last night, and. Yep. Um, you know, we shouldn't be surprised because that organisation's put some cars on track in yesteryear that's been phenomenal too. So, yeah, um, if only Danny Rick was still in that car, imagine he would be spanking. The off development would have continued, hey, for the last two uh, years. Yeah, and look, it's, look, look, it's fine. We don't need to, we don't need to go on about that stuff. But, uh, um, yeah, look, Alonso for a podium. Alonso for a podium. I think only one of the Ferraris is going to do well. I think there's going to be uh, – I'm, I'm hoping it signs just for the interest of seeing him do well, but I think yep. only one of them is going to get through the podium. The other one's going to have some kind of issue or an incident on lap one. I just have a feeling that they're not going to be able to sit second and third for a while. Uh, it's not going to be happy families. I think I think Carlos is ready to make an imprint and that – as he should, he was he was pretty yeah. good in qualifying. He was only just off the pace, wasn't he? He had some yeah. excellent laps, uh, and I think that's that's going to be an exciting battle. If if he gets a good start and can get past Leclerc, that's that creates some chaos at Ferrari, which we also like to see the shambles that is that strategy and that pit and that garage. <laughs> oh, and who's your tip for Bathurst before we finish up? Oh, I'm going to go with you. I'm going to go Gizzy. I like Gizzy. Yeah. Who doesn't? That guy's excellent. Yeah, I, I've got one last well, thing that we should finish up with. Yeah. And because we've got a lot of fans that miss this, I, I want you to give us a quick preview of next week at Phillip Island. Give that to the fans. We can cut this into a little snippet and give the people what they want. MotoGP is coming to Australia, Campy. Yeah, we're back in Phillip Island for the first time since 2019. Uh, if you've not, Seen MotoGP bikes and even the smaller categories actually on track and see how much those things are actually sliding around. TV does not do it justice. Um, it is unbelievable. So Jack Miller, last couple of races, had a win, came a real solid second. 
actually in, uh, I think he's within 40 points of the World Championship now. So I think we've got four races left. If these top guys fall off and he gets a win, which he's very, very capable at, at Phillip Island, I think he'll dominate Phillip Island next weekend. So uh, he could be within, you know, 10 to 15 points of the championship. Not that that really matters. It's, it's a spectacle. It's going to be awesome. Aussie Motorsport is in a very, very strong place at the moment. It does need our support. I'm actually probably closer to the track than I am probably Frankston, Tommy, except there's a massive piece yeah. of water in between me and it takes me about two it's hours so to drive true. there. So Just not get the hours, boat out. An hour and 20, <laughs> but, uh, yeah. but uh, yeah, it's going to be cracking. I'll be heading down on Friday. So if uh, anyone on the Discord else is ha- heading down Friday, to shoot me a text. Unfortunately, I can't be there for the weekend. I've got some other commitments on, but... um. Be great. I know Manus is heading down Friday too as well. So we will be keen for a beverage and uh Jack Miller will get the win next weekend. It's just uh tips off a great period in Australian motorsport at the moment. It is, isn't it? That's yeah. it's super exciting, especially Phillip Island. It's a pretty iconic place, isn't it? Oh. It's been one oh. of those icons. Yeah, it's it's an unbelievable place. Have you uh, had a race around in that that uh, small go kart version? Yeah, I have. Oh yeah, done <laughs> many buck parties <laughs> there. <laughs> I think we've tipped that as one of our. That might be our Lakeside Drive Christmas party or something. We have to go down there and have a race. That would be oh, quite excellent, wouldn't it? It is quite good. That's good fun. I've raced it in the wet too. So on slick tours, it's way better than what it is in the dry. <laughs> so, jeez. <that's- laughs> It's like driving on a banana peel in Mario Kart, I think. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. (laughs) All right, mate. Well, thank you for this morning. This has been Campy's Corner. And uh, hopefully it was nice and entertaining for you before the Japanese Grand Prix. Have fun watching Bathurst for our international fans. If you do listen to this, make sure you just Google Bathurst and watch some YouTube videos of it. It's an incredible racetrack. It is is epic. It is. It's the diamond on our racing calendar of the year. So check it out. Uh, It goes all day too, which is great. So uh, thanks for listening and we'll see you tomorrow. They had um, JB in the box, obviously, with Crofty, but they actually had a shot of him in there, and it was just mean. Crofty looked like an absolute dickhead next to JB, who was looking very handsome and like put together. <laughs> Crofty just looked like a bag of shit. Yeah, well, he traditionally doesn't <laughs> so That's have, not very fair. He doesn't have to, um, doesn't have to dress up because he's not normally on camera. And if he is, exactly. he's one of those no, he had ones like, in the corner. He, <laughs> he looked like us when we have to go to something. He had a button-up shirt on. It was, like, really tight. And then you got JB just looking very handsome. Not very fair. <laughs> well, good morning, everybody, and welcome to another segment of Campy's Corner, uh, a production by Lakeside Drive. No, that shit. Let's fucking... <laughs> That is so shit. <laughs> <laughs> I reckon Zeke should just leave that one in. Oh. <laughs>